Good morning, everyone. Uh, today is Palmerum, uh, Palm Sunday, also known as Sunday of the Passion. Hopefully you had a chance to worship with us earlier this morning at 8.15 a.m. Uh, shout out to uh, all the parents that uh, sent some pictures in of their kids uh, to grace the uh, slideshow. Uh, thanks as well to not only the Rosiniacs, uh, but uh, the Grady Girls and Kevin and Deb Terwartha for our special music uh, today as well. I hope these things are a blessing to you as you're sheltering in place uh, there in your home as well. Uh, both of our families, uh, Pastor Grady and, uh, and I, are doing well. Uh, everybody's healthy so far, so we're continuing to follow protocols, uh, shelter in place, and uh, really the only place that uh, we've been traveling to has been here to church uh, to uh, take care of, of all of that as well. So we miss seeing your faces. Uh, feel free to you know, shoot us a picture every now and then of you and your family. If you're doing something special, uh, let us know. And uh, we're going to probably try and post a few things maybe to our church Facebook page, uh, which might be a good place uh, if you want to, you know, put a few things for other people to check out as well. Uh, note that our website is kind of our primary hub of communication uh, during this uh, crazy pandemic time. Uh, so all the bulletins are available there on the website. Uh, obviously, if you're watching this Bible study, uh, you've accessed our YouTube channel um, and all of our services are there as well, okay? Uh, a couple of things uh, we sent out uh, email uh, on Friday uh, for those of you that uh, so choose, and we talked a little bit about that last Bible class last week, so choose to come in to receive absolution and the sacrament. We've just made a few changes uh, that we thought were important to minimize uh, as much contact as possible. Uh, when you do sign up for a slide, uh, we will have all the doors open uh, at least one door, uh, and um, uh, in, except for inclement weather. Uh, you'll come straight in. Uh, there will be a sheet at the back that'll have the brief order of service that we'll be using. Uh, pick up a sheet and then walk up immediately to the front of the sanctuary. Uh, you'll see a stand placed there in between the two communion rails. And uh, please remain standing. Uh, for some of you that might be older that have to sit down, Go ahead and sit down in the pew. We'll wipe everything down, but we're asking everybody else just to remain standing. We'll do the service from there. Uh, pastor will consecrate the bread and the wine. And then at that point, uh, you will uh, pick up uh, the uh, individual cup and uh, the, the body of Jesus as well there from the tray and uh, commune putting the cups back on the tray. So we're just trying to minimize contact as much as possible for your sake and for our sake, uh, but also ensure that you still receive the Lord's gifts. So uh, keep in mind... I don't like any of this. <laughs> I don't like not having church. I don't like not seeing your faces. We're, we're all in the same boat here together. So the best we can do uh, to care for our neighbor, uh, to um, uh, follow what our government has asked of us, which is appropriate, is, is a good thing. So uh, last thing I want to say before we begin Bible class today, if you have any needs at all, uh, if you are having a difficulty paying bills, uh, if you need food, if you need errands run, please call one of us pastors and uh, we will find a way to, to meet your needs, uh, to help you as much as possible. Um, so uh, many of you have volunteered to, to help out uh, and so far we haven't had a lot of requests that come in. I think that may continue the longer that some people are out of work uh, or in that sort of thing. So uh, nobody's called me and asked if I had any extra toilet paper. So I guess we're all good. So technically I'm told there actually is plenty of toilet paper and plenty of milk uh, it's just that uh, these things get bought up quite quickly. Well, enough about that. We don't want to talk about those things that are always on the news and come across our phones. 
Uh, today, as I said, uh, is Palm Sunday. This is the beginning of Holy Week. So this is a high and holy day. Uh, as I preached in the sermon, it is, it is both a gospel and a law Sunday in the sense that Jesus comes into Jerusalem to shouts of Hosanna, of people who welcome him, who have faith in him. Uh, but then, of course, we see all of that change throughout the week uh, to Good Friday, where we have now an entirely perhaps different crowd yelling, crucify him. Uh, and, 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 you know, so where are the people that were crying out, Hosanna, loud Hosanna? Did they, did they change their minds? Um, most likely, they were kind of like the disciples. They ran away. Uh, they deserted Jesus. Jesus was left hanging on the cross, uh, really with only the centurion around him. Um, and so that's exactly what we sinners do. We desert Jesus uh, at many and various times. Uh, we are sinners who deserve uh, nothing but death and punishment. But this is why he's come. Uh, and so thus, this Palm Sunday is also called the Sunday of the Passion. It's about Jesus, who is now the suffering servant from Isaiah, who is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He comes now to redeem, to justify, uh, and to deliver us, uh, even from sickness and death. So as Christians, we have a wonderful hope to cling to in the midst of these difficult times. One is that the Lord will always bring good out of every situation, some way, shape, or form. And as we look back, we talk in past events of, you know, we see how God has provided for us. Some of you might have that little uh, poem, uh, Footprints in the Sand. Uh, and, uh, you know, you look back on times in your life and you say, wow, I don't know how I got through that. Uh, but ultimately, even that difficult situation, uh, God brought about f for, for my good. And I'm thankful for that. And so as Christians, we have that hope and we have that faith and we have that trust now that God will yet preserve us in the midst of this and use even all of these things for our benefit to increase our faith, to increase our trust and our reliance on him. Um, and so thanks be to God for that. Uh, that's an assurance as Christians that the world cannot give nor any other religion uh, that is found in Jesus Christ who alone has access to the Father. And now because of who he is, opens up heaven to you. Uh, and so uh, these gifts uh, Christ freely gives. Okay, enough of me pontificating. Um, oh, the last thing I wanted to say, we will have our normal service schedule. Of course, it'll be streaming. So Monday, Thursday, 7 o'clock p.m. Uh, that, of course, is uh, the, 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 the day that Jesus uh, celebrated uh, the Passover meal with his disciples. He did that in the upper room. Uh, so this is the institution of the Lord's Supper. Uh, and so we'll, we'll do everything we normally do uh, we're trying to keep our services look and feel exactly as they would normally for you, even though you're at home. Good Friday, same thing in the evening. Um, and then, of course, on Holy Saturday, Easter Saturday, we this was the year we were starting a new service for us here at Advent. It's actually one of the oldest services in the Christian church, and that's known as the Vigil Service. Uh, the vigil, services has, vigil service has six parts to it. You can look through the bulletin online uh, and see how that goes. Uh, but the vigil was a big deal for the early Christians. When Paul writes that we are buried with Jesus in his baptism, um, that, that we die in baptism when we rise to new life, the vigil service became a very important day for Christians to not only be baptized, but also to be initiated or receive the body and blood of Jesus for the very first time. We would use the word confirmation for that or first communion. Um, and so to do that, uh, that Saturday evening, and keep in mind the new day began at, uh, after, sun, after sunset, correct? So when you talk about Jesus being in the tomb for three days, we're not talking about 
three 24-hour periods. Uh, the, day, the new day began at sundown, and so Jesus was in the tomb for three days, not necessarily three 24-hour periods. And so thus the first service of Easter for the early Christians was after sundown on Saturday. Uh, and so uh, that would kind of be the first almost Easter service. And so our vigil service, as you see it uh, this year, uh, we'll, we'll have a little fire pit outside. Uh, we will uh, light the Paschal candle uh, for the first time, um, and we will carry that into the darkened church. So we get a little bit of that theme of dark to light. Very similar, by the way, to when we talk about incarnation at Christmas, to how we handle Christmas Eve. Um, and uh, this year, we're actually going to have two baptisms during our vigil service. Uh, it worked out really well. We've got uh, two little babies and uh, uh, two families that are related um, and that have seen each other. So uh, we can not only keep under our <laughs> number of 10, uh, but we can get them baptized and their family and people who can't come are able to watch online. So we actually have baptisms this year, which is pretty cool. As a pastor, we live for this stuff. I mean, this is like, wow, this is just really cool, okay? So hopefully you will get a chance to participate and worship uh, all those days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, all at 7 o'clock. Easter Sunday morning service will be streamed live at 8.15. And if you can't make any of those times for some reason because you have to work or you're sick or whatever, uh, they'll be up on our YouTube channel uh, website so you can watch those at any time. Okay, um, Okay, I could go on and on um, about that. Uh, so Easter is still here. Uh, some people have emailed and asked you know, hey, pastor, let's celebrate Easter when we gather together then as a church. And, and I will say every Sunday is a little Easter. And so while we will keep Easter according to the church calendar and have it in our homes, our first Sunday back, whether that's the 1st of May or the 1st of June, we're going to blow it up big. <laughs> so don't you worry about that. I think everybody will be happy to be gathered together, see each other's faces, and uh, sing with joy. So be patient, wait for the Lord, He will provide. Okay, do we have any questions that have come in? That was my 11-minute introduction. Okay, so same as we did last week, if you have any questions throughout the Bible study or just in general, we've enabled chat here on our YouTube channel, and uh, you can uh, type in with those questions, and uh, as long as I like the question, I'll answer it. No, I'll, I'll try and answer all of them. Okay, let's, uh, let's begin with prayer. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for all of your mighty works as we begin this holy week, especially your work on the cross, carrying our sins to their death. Bless us with your presence through your word and even your sacraments, uh, that uh, living each day uh, we may see and receive the life that you have earned and won for us. All this we ask in your holy and precious name. Amen. Okay, we're on page 136 of The Saving Truth. This is the book we're still using, The Saving Truth, Doctrine for Lay People, uh, by uh, Professor Kurt Marquardt, who now is asleep with Jesus and the saints above. Um, I look forward to seeing him again one day. I didn't get to spend as much time with him because I was a seminarian at St. Louis and not at Fort Wayne, but I had the privilege of sitting in on many lectures uh, uh, of conferences and uh, um, uh, oh, for Pete's sake, uh, symposia uh, that took place up at the uh, seminary as well before his uh, death. Okay, We're on page 136. Uh, this is the chapter, One Holy Church on Earth and on Heaven. And our Kindle page number is, location? 
Oh, he can't find it. I'm going to have to teach my son how to find the Kindle location. So here we go. We're on the last paragraph on page 136. Christ chose 12 apostles. Matthias replaced Judas. We hear about that from Acts 1, verse 12. And later, of course, there was a 13th, uh, St. Paul, uh, from Galatians 1, verse 1. Their office was that of the word and sacraments. And let's just look at some scripture real quick. Uh, uh, Professor Marquardt here is talking about what the church is. So when we talk about word and sacrament, this is not something that Lutherans made up. This is right from scripture. So let's go to Acts uh, 6, uh, verses 2 to 4. I think you'll have it there up on your screen for you. The twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. Okay, So the, pro, uh, the, the, the apostles uh, specifically uh, were devoted to the ministry of the word. And so for other things that needed to be done, uh, they chose and ordained other men to help out as well. Now, keep in mind, we have this still in the church today, okay? Uh, we have pastors who have been ordained, for example, um, that uh, teach at our seminary or teach at a university uh, or teach at a school. Um, and not only just teach, but also serve in various capacities, uh, chaplains uh, at various places. Uh, some work with uh, Lutheran Child and Family Services or other organizations, uh, Lutherans for Life, um, and so even though we have you know, pastors who have been trained, recognized, and ordained, there are various uh, areas of service based on gifts and talents and abilities. Okay? And so we see that here in the New Testament, um, that the ministry of the Word, we would, we would say this is primarily now the pastoral office. I know some pastors that, or men who have been ordained, when they have ceased uh, serving, as a pastor in a church and have moved on to an institution or have even retired, have said, don't call me pastor any longer, just call me reverend, right? So I'm, I'm still ordained, uh, but I'm not serving as an under-shepherd of Christ in that way, meaning that I haven't been given a group of people that I have charge over, okay? Uh, and so we see some of that. So that's ministry of the word. If we look at Matthew 28, 19 to 20, I don't know if we need to pull that passage up. You should have that memorized. Uh, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So Jesus commands now baptism. Uh, and the word here from Latin we use is mandatum, mandate. That's why uh, Holy Thursday is also known as Maundy Thursday or Mandate Thursday. This is Jesus now telling his disciples, do this in remembrance of me. Do what? What's his last will and testament? Speak his words over simple bread and simple wine. They now, uh, in that setting, will become the body and blood of Jesus for you to eat and drink. Okay? Um, so that was a very intimate meal. Okay? One thing I should probably mention on the sacrament side of that, some churches during these crazy times are telling you to get some bread from your kitchen or grape juice or whatever wine you have and set that in front of your TV, your phone, your laptop. And while the pastor speaks the words of institution, you have communion in your home. Okay? Do not do that. <laughs> 
that is not at all according to Christ's mandate and institution. Okay? And the, the first way you can explain this uh, to your children or understand it for yourself, when we consecrate the Lord's Supper, you notice that we, we turn to the credence table and we take bread and we take wine and we set it here. Why do we do that? This bread, this wine is the body and blood of Jesus. You got it? Okay. Um, so let's say that when the pastor is doing that, the speakers in the fellowship hall and the offices, uh, or you're even streaming it in your house, okay? You might say, wow, these words of Jesus are magical. They make all bread and all wine everywhere within whatever decibel of his words become the body and blood of Jesus. That's preposterous. Why is that preposterous? Because Jesus says, take, eat, take, drink this bread, this wine. Okay? So we believe that this bread, this wine, these words apply here for you to eat and drink. Okay? Uh, they don't apply in a Gnostic way to all bread and all wine everywhere. Okay? I had a Missouri Synod pastor that argued with me about this, uh, oh, it's probably been 12 years. Okay? And um, my wife had gone to a service at their church because the school children sang there. Um, and uh, when they had communion, uh, you know, they had all the bread and wine up on the altar and they consecrated it. Uh, and so they're communing everybody. Um, and then when they ran out of, of bread and wine. They didn't consecrate enough. So what my wife observed was they reached under the altar, which had a nice sliding door. It was a nice cabinet. And they pulled out some bread and some wine and they just started distributing it. They started handing out no words of Jesus. And my wife said, I don't know if I received the body and blood of Jesus. Wow. God's not a God of confusion or doubt. God's a God of certainty. That's why if we need more bread and wine, we need more body and blood of Jesus, we simply speak the words. That way you can see and hear clearly, this is his body, this is his blood. So I, I, I go and visit with this pastor and I say, hey man, um, <laughs> You know, and maybe it was just an oversight, I said. Maybe maybe it got kind of crazy that Sunday. Stuff happens. We as pastors get crazy brain, and we forget to do things. We're not perfect. Uh, and he looked at me, and he said, he said, oh, no. He goes, the words of Jesus apply to the bread and the wine that is stored under the altar as well. I said, what? He said, oh, yeah, that's all the body and blood of Jesus. I said, okay. Uh, so that's all the body and blood of Jesus there under the cabinet. He goes, yep. I said, what about any bread and wine or anything else you have down in the kitchen, you know, a floor or two floors below the sanctuary, <laughs> you know? What if you're televising that? Any bread and wine within range of the words automatically become the body and blood of Jesus? He said, oh, no, that would be crazy. I said, <laughs> that would be crazy? So this is why the church has always, we're not getting to the argument of does it become the body and blood of Jesus. We're going to simply say this is how Jesus instituted it in intimate meal, okay? So for you, wait. If you're unable, if your conscience burdens you or you are having to shelter in place, it's okay to fast from the Lord's Supper until that time that we can have it together again, okay? Um, that's perfectly okay. Um, the second reason that you should not do it at home is we as pastors are charged with the oversight. We have to give an account for those that we care for, um, and we're called to be stewards of the mysteries of Christ, we can't be a very good steward because we don't know who might be taking the Lord's Supper and receiving it. Are they receiving it in faith? Um, are they using it in the way that Christ intended? 
we can't come into your homes and see that, okay? Um, and so uh, here's a simple thing. Set up a time on our sign-up genius. Come into church, receive the Lord's body and blood, or simply wait patiently. Don't do what some of these other churches are doing uh, of having communion on your own, okay? If you want a good article, um, uh, go to, uh, what is it, goddessdienst.org, G-O-T-T-E-D-I-E-N-S-T.org. And there is a great little article, DIY Communion, <laughs> Do-It-Yourself Communion. And it's a really well-written article which answers what I just mentioned to you a little more in depth. Okay? Did that prompt any good questions on the chat? No? Wow, I thought that one would get you guys. Okay, let's move on here. Okay, so the apostle's primary job, a pastor's primary job is word and sacrament. Okay, but a pastor can also, or a reverend and ordained man, have other jobs as well. Their office was that of the word and sacraments. These apostles were equipped with extraordinary miraculous gifts and powers. So these 13 were given special dispensation, we might say, special abilities and powers that we as pastors aren't given today. Some days I wish I had them. I wish I had the ability to, you know, lay hands on people and miraculously heal them. Um, but God hasn't promised that. Jesus hasn't promised that for those of us that follow the apostles. For these 13, they were given that, okay, uh, for a few reasons. One, to uh, ensure their credibility uh, that they were now the first pastors of the church, that they were the first eyewitnesses. That's what martyr actually means, witness. They saw these things, and that's why the New Testament is a record of the witnesses, the martyrion, the disciples, the apostles who were with Jesus. This is also number two, and you can read about this in the book of Acts, the start of the Christian church. Okay, So the gospel now spreads like wildfire, and the Lord uses the apostles for that as well. Oh, we have a question. I like questions. Is it a good question? Let's find out. Oh, what do I think of churches doing drive-by communion? Um, we've talked a lot about this as pastors. Um, this last week, uh, we actually had a conference call with our bishop, uh, 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 Pastor Jameson Hardy, and it was, it was a, a really, really good uh, conference call uh, that talked about some of the different practices that churches are doing, okay? Okay. Um, couple of thoughts that Pastor and Grady, Pastor Grady and I would have about drive-by communion, okay? Number one, could we set up a situation where you were to drive by in your car and receive the Lord's Supper? Yes, we could do that. Um, number two, some of the churches have bought and purchased an FM transmitter or a broadcaster. We don't have that equipment. That would be a whole other piece of uh, stuff we'd have to set up technology-wise. And they're kind of having services in the parking lot. Um, so here's my response to kind of what's going on with that. Number one, that's awesome that people want to come to church. Okay? So as pastors, we love that. We love that you, you want to come to church. Okay? Um, number two, where and how do we normally do the Lord's Supper? We do it in church. Okay? Uh, we do it in church or in cases of emergency or necessity, you know, we'll come to your home and do that, you know, if, if, you, are, if you are shut in. Um, the Lord's Supper is a reverent thing. Um, it's a liturgical thing. And so uh, what we have done so far in how we give out the Lord's Supper best follows our understanding of the Lord's Supper and our practice of it, okay? 
in this sense. Now, some of you will disagree, and, and I get that. I totally get that, okay? We want you, if you're going to come to church, we want you to be able to come into church because there is great comfort in being in the Lord's house. And we believe that we can, the way we have it set up now, that there is less risk to, less risk to you coming into the church, receiving the Lord's body and blood, and walking out, not touching anything, then there would be trying to administer that to vehicles. Okay, um, we also are a little concerned with just the reverence of taking the Lord's body and blood in your in your vehicle. When would you normally do that? I know we're in strange times and that sort of thing. Okay, um, let, let me let me say that we're not going to set up a drive-through situation. But let me let me let me let me just say this. Okay, if if you want to receive the Lord's body and blood and your conscience is bound with getting out of your vehicle and coming into church, Pastor Grady and I probably would walk out in the parking lot and give it to you. Okay, um, It's difficult with the six-foot distance we're supposed to maintain. We can do all that in the church. Uh, I'm not sure with the drive-by, we'd have to be outside. We got the weather. We got to set it on a stand. You know, there's just a lot of details with it, Okay. Um, and we, we, we want to keep it reverent and, and, uh, and that sort of thing. That's, those are probably not very good answers for you, but it's, it's such a different concept that we just haven't gotten any further with that. Is there a follow-up question to that? They may not like anything I'm saying. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just we, we, we've been trying to keep everything within the church uh, and, and keep it with what we would normally do on Sunday. Okay. I also get a little concerned with the Lord's Supper because there, there are some really goofy things going on out there, and not just within Lutheranism. And the Lord's Supper is a very reverent, high, holy thing. I would almost rather you just abstain and that we not take the Lord's Supper until we can have it together again than try to introduce some sort of new practice that we've really never, never done. I, I just It's a high, holy thing, and we want to we wanna keep it that way. It's not the same as going to Chick-fil-A and getting a chicken sandwich. I just don't know that I want to connect a drive-through restaurant with the Lord's body and blood. Does that make sense? And so that's why we've kind of kept it in the sanctuary where we still vest as pastors. You know, we're, we're, everything is clean and, and you can come in. And, it, and like I said, it's okay to wait and abstain from that. Okay, it's not a law that you have to have that. Okay, no follow-ups? Let me smile. I love you all. I miss you. Okay, let's go on. Uh, okay, so these apostles were equipped with extraordinary miraculous gifts and powers, yet that miraculous miraculous aura surrounding them did not comprise the essence of their office. In other words, even though that they had these special gifts and abilities that God gave them, that wasn't the essence of their office, okay? Um, the essence, rather, was the faithful proclamation of the gospel, including, of course, the sacraments, Okay. That's why you have in, in Acts, right off the bat, you have Peter preaching a really great, hard-hitting sermon, right? And he, he comes in really hard with the law. You know, this, this Jesus, he says, whom you crucified, and of course, they're probably looking at each other, what? I'm not a Roman centurion. I didn't drive nails into Jesus' hands. And, 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 and Peter is simply saying, hey, y'all are sinners, Okay. So, um, you know, each of us, when we break the Ten Commandments, um, we are pretty much driving a nail in, if you will. Now, this is a little metaphorical here. Uh, but in our sin, you know, we are, we are rejecting, you know, Christ. 
What did the crowds cry out? What did we hear this morning? Crucify him. Crucify him. Right? Uh, they wanted Barabbas to be released. Okay? And so every time that we choose uh, sin or our own ways other than God's way, we're in that same crowd. Okay? Um, you know, Pilate thought he could wash his hands. You know, uh, I'm innocent of this man's blood, and he washed his hands. No, Pilate, you're really not innocent of that. Uh, you've got authority. You, you can try and, and scapegoat it all you want, but you're still sinful. And what did the people say? Let his blood be on us and on our children. Wow. So that blood is still on us as well, okay? And it's, it's because of our sin. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, okay? Thanks be to Christ who has given us uh, the victory uh, now, uh, who's washed us, though our sins are as scarlet, uh, they shall be as white as snow. Question. Yay! Oh, oh, for the special, for the group ones? Um, here would be the, the problem with that. You might have noticed that we don't, we don't show anybody else publicly through YouTube. So our channel is, is, is public, which means it's out there. Um, and technically, we're supposed to get permission if we show somebody's face uh, publicly. Um, so I would have to chat with a few individuals. If one of you are signed up, um, and you want to volunteer to be seen by anybody in the whole wide world, I wouldn't have an issue just doing that as an example uh, in that way, shape, or form. Kind of like with the, the parents uh, who sent us pictures uh, in the announcement I sent on Friday, you know, I very, very clearly stated, you know, if you send us a picture of your child for the Palm Sunday procession, this picture is out there publicly. Okay, uh, so by sending us, you know, your 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 uh, the photo of your child, you know, you're giving permission for that photo to be out there, and totally understand that some parents don't uh, want any photos, you know, of their children anywhere out there, um, and so really it's a matter of privacy issue. We've really tried to protect all of our uh, people appropriately uh, and do it that way. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Uh, somebody said uh, in following up with the question, could we video record the individual absolutions and sacraments, which I just answered, and then they said thank you. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, glad to do that. Uh, could we do that without congregants there? Yeah, but I don't know why. Um, because we have our Sunday services that are there as well. I will tell you real quick what we're doing each and every when you know, and Pastor Grady's doing it right now, as I'm doing Bible class, he's in the sanctuary because we're actually, I think we're filled up. Every slot today from 9:45 till three is filled. Okay, um, and if we, if you wanted a slot on Sunday and you couldn't get it, text us or email us. We'll we'll add more slots. We have slots during the week as well. Um, and if we need to, as long as we stay under 10, uh, you know, we can we can do one family on one side of the sanctuary and one family on the other side. We could do that for next week and for Easter. Um, but here's what we're doing. Um, you walk up to the altar uh, and uh, invocation, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We do confession absolution. Right now it's Alpha, page 151, which is what we do on Sunday. Okay, Absolve your sins. We read a psalm together. Normally it's the psalm that is appointed for that week. Uh, and that's printed off on a sheet of paper that only you touch, okay? 
after the psalm, uh, the pastor might take a couple of minutes to give a brief little message or homily, okay? Um, and uh, just kind of words of assurance. Uh, and then we say the Apostles' Creed. We say the Lord's Prayer, uh, words of institution. Um, and then the pastor, uh, that, that bread and wine that has been consecrated will be set on a tray. And, uh, and then you will take from that tray the body and blood of Jesus that has been consecrated for you uh, and for your family. Uh, pastor will give you a, dismiss, a dismissal, a blessing, and give you the benediction, and that's it. Okay, And if we've got a couple extra minutes, normally we do, you know, I'll probably say, hey, <laughs> how you guys doing? Uh, anything you need? Uh, anything we can help you with? You know, good to see your faces, you know, and you'll walk out and next family will come in. So that's pretty much what we're doing. Um, I don't know that we need to put that up online. Um, it'd be like recording a shut-in visit, I guess. Uh, that's kind of specifically there, you know, for you. Uh, but our Sunday services are there. Any follow-up question? Oh. Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. I appreciate that. We we are we are doing our best to um, operate within what is asked of us, uh, and to make sure that above all, same with the apostles, you receive now the ministry of the word. That you're receiving these gifts, and that you have the opportunity. Um, you know, churches, and this is a wonderful thing. You you need to if you want to send a little thank you note to uh, to our governor here in Indiana, because not every state has this or has done this. You know, we as churches are technically considered essential. So we're allowed to come and go from church to do our work, to do our business, as long as we stay within the guidelines. Not every state has that. Um, I have been chatting with other pastors during the week. In other states, churches are not included, you know, as an essential uh, business or organization. Um, And so that's been a real fear for some pastors. Can I even come into church to you know, to study or if somebody, you know, wants that. And uh, so I'm very thankful um, of uh, now my new state that I live in of Indiana and how they're handling this. And I think we're being totally appropriate with that, okay? Uh, on that note, if you choose to come in for the uh, absolution and the sacrament and you would feel more comfortable having a little letter saying that you are on essential church business, I will send you a letter, okay? So you've got a letter. Uh, you know, our police really aren't pulling over and policing that, um, we, it could come to that. I mean, I, you know, they say the next couple of weeks, uh, things are, are still getting a little worse with that. And if, if you are concerned uh, or if that happens, s- stay home, um, you know. Um, but, but again, to me, essential, if you can go to the grocery store and get groceries and, and, and you can be out doing some of the other stuff, um, and that's worth the risk. I don't understand why that wouldn't be worth the risk to come to church <laughs> to receive the body and blood of Jesus. But, but I'm just your goofy pastor. What do I know? Okay, what do I know? All right. Any other questions? Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, comment was I'm impressed with how you clean in between uh, each of the families. Yes. Uh, so up until the changes we made. You know, we were wiping down all the pews, all the hymnals, um, anything that gets handled is disinfected. Uh, now, uh, because it's it's just taking a little extra, you know, we're asking that you not kneel at the rail. I'm sorry. <laughs> just come, you know, walk in, grab the sheet of paper. That's all you should touch other than individual cups. We will literally take the individual cups and dump them into a bleach bath. Um, and so th- that's a you know, just a really easy way uh, to do that. So you're welcome. Uh, I appreciate you recognizing uh, the work we're trying to do there.
Okay, back to our study here. Uh, so the 12, once properly constituted with the addition of Matthias, were not replaced at their deaths by new apostles. So we didn't have new apostles that came after the first apostles. Okay, Once those 13 um, died, and of course the majority of them from church tradition, we understand they were put to death. Um, John would have been the one that lived the longest, exiled on the Isle of Patmos, uh, wrote the book of Revelation under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. They were succeeded by, quote, ordinary ministers like Timothy. And that's why uh, the, uh, the writings to Timothy and to Titus are so important. The seminary, uh, St. Louis Seminary that I graduated from, uh, for my Master's of Divinity, the new chapel that was built back in the, the mid to late 90s is called the Chapel of St. Timothy and St. Titus, um, or Titus and Timothy. I always get it turned around, um, but that's wonderful. So this pastoral office continues past the apostles, but... There, there are no new apostles past that, okay? Uh, there were only the 13. The word apostle uh, comes from uh, uh, the Greek word uh, apostelon, which simply means sent. And so they are specifically commissioned by Jesus for this task as apostles. Um, and uh, there was a movie that came out, I don't know if it was late 80s, early 90s, maybe later, with Robert Duvall entitled The Apostle, and he was a Pentecostal preacher. Um, and this is where... Churches and people have got themselves into trouble. Is hey, you know, I'm appointed. Jesus came to me in my dream, right? Or I had a near death experience, and 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 now the Lord gave me this ability, you know, to I can pick up snakes and not get bit, and and I can heal the lame. And the don't believe any of that stuff. That's a bunch of hooey. Um, absolutely ridiculous, and no promise of that from Scripture. For the first thirteen apostles, yes, there was. Uh, for those that followed after them, called to be pastors. What are they supposed to do? Preach and teach the Word of God. Okay, uh, Be faithful to Scripture. Administer His sacraments according to Christ's mandate and institution. Okay, uh, So Timothy, in turn, uh, would entrust the saving truth uh, to other faithful men. The apostolate was the extraordinary foundational form of the one gospel ministry. So that was the 13. While today's ministry is its ordinary continuation. Okay. Um, stewards or administers of the mysteries of God, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 1. And that would be another reason why we don't have the Lord's Supper apart from the pastors um, you know, in, in your home or that sort of thing. They are the stewards of the mysteries of God. It's why we as well, you know, as pastors, try to be the ones that are giving or placing the Lord's body and blood in front of you. Okay? Uh, we only use other people like uh, lay elders uh, as, as needed. Uh, to help hold or to assist uh, in those times, okay? Um, so stewards or administrators uh, is what St. Paul called not only himself, but also Apollos and therefore other ministers of the gospel. St. Paul also says, follow along here, and let's read it together, Second Corinthians 4, verse 5, For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants, and the word there for servant, uh, I believe this one, is doulos. That's literally slaves uh, for Jesus' sake. Okay, let's read it together one more time. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Okay, um, so Paul is very clear. Uh, the job here now, not only of the apostles, the extraordinary 13, but also the ordinary pastors who would come after uh, is to preach the Word of God, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, and to be servants now to the people. 
Now, on that line, that's kind of where the concept of, of, of a collar comes from. Okay? I wear most of the time an Anglican collar like this. Okay? I am a little Scottish. That's Mackay, okay, uh, Anglican, if you will, uh, Church of England, uh, offshoot of the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, there's a tab collar, which Pastor Grady will normally wear. I wear a tab collar from time to time. Uh, and there's a couple other different variances of them. Here's the simple explanation for you. One, as pastors, this is our uniform. It's the most widely recognized uniform for a pastor, okay? And that's why we wear that. When I'm out in public, people know I'm a pastor, and that's really helpful, really, really helpful. Same thing with a police officer in uniform. If you get pulled over by some of the flashing lights and they show up next to your door wearing blue jeans, you know, and a red flannel shirt, <laughs> you're probably going to be a little uneasy, okay? Uh, is that a police officer? Is it not? Okay. Same thing in the hospital. Uh, when my uh, sister and her husband uh, finished medical school, or well, uh, during that process, they had a, what was it called, a white coating ceremony. Some of our doctors online and healthcare people can relate to this. They received a white coat. Why was that big, a big deal? Because doctors, okay, or those in trainings now, wear white coats. They're recognizable from other staff in the hospital, okay? The last thing then with the pastors, we got a question. Okay, uh, is that the collar is like a slave collar. Okay, uh, we are servants. Our job is to do what our boss tells us to do. Okay, and we are to serve you according to his good will and pleasure. Okay, question? Thanks for all the questions today, by the way. This helps the time go. <laughs> this is really different just standing in front of a camera. Okay. Okay, the question was, uh, and we talked about it last week and also uh, had it this week as well, how was it that the Pharisees and the Sadducees were able to convince such a large group um, to, you know, say, crucify Jesus, okay? Um, to be honest, I, I don't know. Um, one, we don't know how big this crowd really was, okay? We really don't. Scripture is not clear. I mean, how many people welcomed Jesus into Jerusalem? Okay, we're told there are crowds, um, so, so what's a crowd? Okay, I mean, right now our state has said a crowd is, is 10 or more. <laughs> so you can have a crowd of 12 in a small space, you know, but obviously that's not the same as a crowd of 500 or 1,000. We don't know, one, how many people welcomed Jesus into Jerusalem. Uh, we know there were women and there were children there. We're not told, like the feeding of the 5,000, there were 5,000 men, not kind of the women and children. We have no idea. Okay. Um, same thing at his crucifixion. Um, how many are present there shouting out, crucify him, crucify him? I don't know. Okay. Um, would it have been pretty easy for them to gather people together? Yeah. I mean, they're the Pharisees and the Sadducees, man. Um, so... <laughs> You, know, you think about networking, obviously they didn't text and Facebook and that sort of thing, but it would have been really easy to do that. They bribe people to be there. Um, absolutely possible um, that, you know, th they were able to get, you know, people together. I've listened to a number of uh, uh, exegetical professors who uh, very staunchly maintain that the crowd that welcomed Jesus in on Palm Sunday is a totally different crowd that was there on Good Friday. Okay, um, and I would say, yeah, that's completely possible. Okay, 
Uh, Can I from Scripture say that it was a different crowd? No, Scripture doesn't say that there weren't the same people that were at one and not the other. Scripture doesn't go there. Okay, Is it possible that some people saw and heard these things and fell away from faith and that welcomed Jesus on Palm Sunday and then shouted crucify him on Friday? Sure, it's possible. Because people can turn from their faith. They can change their minds. Um, but most likely, based on Scripture and, and, and what's given to us, the best guess would be different crowd, uh, and they organize that. Um, I, keep in mind, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, I mean, they had this all organized. Look at how they handled uh, Judas. And so you got the betrayal at the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus now, in the dead of night, is hauled to Caiaphas's house. I mean, no, these things are all done kind of in the shadows, right? So, so this is like you know somebody on the church council calling a meeting and not telling all the other council members about it and saying, well, we're just going to have a meeting over the phone, um, but we're not going to tell the other people about it who disagree with what we're voting on. And some churches have done this. Don't ever do that. Um, don't ever do that. That's, that's wrong and improper. Things should be done in the light. Things should be done publicly. Um, and especially as Christians, that's important for us, okay, that everything is out there, okay? I don't know if I answered that question completely. They have a follow-up to that. Maybe you're just trying to get me off topic because you're bored with Marquardt. That's okay. Okay. But let's let's move on. Let's cover a little bit more. we got about, what, five minutes left uh, here of, uh, of Marquardt. St. Paul says, For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants. Now, this text cuts two ways. On the one hand, far from acting as lords over their flocks, and this would actually go, so I take that back. This would actually go to your question about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. On the one hand, far from acting as lords over their flocks, entitled to impose their own whims on the church, Christ's ministers are to rule only with the solemn evangelical authority given them by the chief shepherd, okay, his gospel and sacraments. Okay? Um, in the exercise of the sacred task, they should be obeyed with the obedience due Christ and his word. On the other hand, they are not errand boys to carry out the whims of popular or majority opinion, that is, to scratch itching ears. Now, this is part of why in the Missouri Synod we have our structure the way it is. I am not the president of the church, the chairman of the council. I don't run the voters' meetings. Okay? Am I on the council as pastor? Absolutely. Should I be aware, involved? Um, absolutely. Okay. But we have a president, uh, Mr. Chuck Long. Uh, he runs those meetings. Okay? We work together as pastor and people. Okay? And I try very carefully not to overstep and say, well, I'm senior pastor. This is how we're going to do it. If it has to do with word and sacrament, yeah, I might do that. And other things of the church, I might have an opinion. Um, but things that happen in the church you know, are probably never done the way each of us might want them to do. But for the sake of Christian love and charity, sometimes, you know, <laughs> we relent or we go along, okay? Uh, sometimes we, you know, everybody's on the same page, right? And I always use the story of, you know, people voting on what color carpet to put in the church. We need new carpet, right? And you got, you know, 35% of the people want red and 35% want blue. And then you got 30% who just want carpet. And so you take a vote, and the blue people win the vote by 2%. 
And so now the blue people are all happy because, yeah, we got what we voted for. The red people are over here. Oh, I can't believe we got That looks, carbon looks horrible, right? And this is the other reason I say I don't like voting in the church. I don't like voting because it creates winners and losers. You will not find anywhere in Scripture where there is voting that takes place. They discuss things, and they had debates, but they came to an agreement in some way, shape, or form. Okay? I know that's probably a little more work in some ways, but let's not try and create losers as much as we can. Okay, And let's be generous. Let the Word of God dwell in us. Bear with one another in love. I could start quoting lots of Scripture to you uh, and go from there. We have one more question, and then I think we're going to be done. Oh, this is my son's question. Okay, how would that work? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get kicked out of the church for this one. He wants to eliminate voting. Yeah, I kind of do. I, I kind of do. Yeah. Well, when they when they cast lots, it was because, you know, really any way forward was going to be good, right? So when they chose Matthias... You know, they, they took a bunch of, 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 of sticks of different length and they threw them and either the shorter or the longer one or, you know, if you've ever done that, pulled them out of somebody's hand, a piece of paper, and whoever's got the shortest or the longest, uh, you know, is the one. Um, one, with Matthias, these were all viable candidates, okay? So they only put forward, you know, men that were all capable of being the next apostle. Okay, so we're not talking about, okay, we're going to have five good guys, and then we're going to have five people who shouldn't be an apostle, okay, meaning that they're all viable options, okay, um, so um, it's not like you're going to go wrong either way. Secondly, they trusted the Lord would give them what they need, so that's exactly what they were the apostle. In some ways, and some of you aren't going to like this, you should probably do this when calling a pastor. You should have three, four, or five good names, men who are all capable of being a pastor, and instead of you thinking you know who they should be, what if you just put their five names in a hat and you picked one out? If they're all five good, qualified pastors that kind of fit you know, what you're looking for, what does it matter? Why can't you just trust that the Lord will take care of that? That's what they did with Matthias. <laughs> I mean, they did. So... Um, you know, but of course, we want to be involved in it. You know, we live in a democratic society where our opinion and our vote is so important. That's what we've been taught by society. It's very individualized. Okay, Christians are called to not be an individual. We are called to be part of the body of Christ to see ourselves as something greater. Is that difficult for us? Yes, it is. Okay. One last question. Somebody that came in. Oh, thanks. What is the best way to get our offerings to church? Thank you for asking that question. Okay, You may put a stamp on an envelope, put your offering inside, and mail it to the church. That's one option. Two, um, you can come by the church and drop it off. However, we don't really have regular offices, office hours right now. If you text us and you want to meet us here, or we'll do that. Okay, But uh, put a stamp on it, put it in the mail. That's the best option. On our website, there is a link for, and I don't remember the name of it. You're catching me off the top of my head here. There is an online option that you can pay online, okay? Number three, 
you can do bill pay through your bank, okay, through your checking account, and most banks offer that free of charge. Uh, if you have any questions about that, call uh, our church office. Uh, the phone number for the church office is actually forwarded to Juanita's cell phone. Uh, she's only been coming in as needed, so she will answer the phone during office hours. She'll probably be at her house uh, sheltering in place, but she can help walk you through how to set that up. So mail it, pay online, uh, or set up bill pay through your bank or through our church office. Okay, thanks for that question. Anything else? What's that? Oh, yeah, thank you. There's a fourth option. If you come in for absolution, the sacrament, there is an offering plate uh, there as well, right next to the hand sanitizer and the wipes and the sheet, which is the only thing you're supposed to touch other than the individual cup. Uh, and so that's available for you to drop that uh, there in the offering plate as well. Okay, let's finish this paragraph and then we're going to call it good for today. Okay, to be sure... Uh, these, uh, these uh, apostles and the pastors that followed them are servants, a status of which no follower of Jesus can or should be ashamed. Yet they serve for Jesus' sake. Therefore, they serve the Lord in his church according to his revealed will. Beyond this, neither ministers nor people have anything to impose on each other's consciences. So be careful when you've got an opinion about something uh, and that you feel your opinion has to be that which everybody listens to or does, right? The blue carpet, red carpet thing. Be very careful of that. It is sacrilege to turn the Christian pilgrimage in the ship of the church into a, a farcical love boat cruise uh, with the clergy as crew to provide drinks and diversions on demand to self-indulgent uh, passengers, right? Thank you, Marquardt, for the uh, love boat uh, connection. Uh, okay. That's enough for today. Any other questions that we have? We got through a whole page or page and a half there. What great progress. But that's okay. You got nothing better to do at home. We love you. Uh, we miss you very much and uh, look forward to uh, seeing you yet again soon. Let's close with the Lord's Prayer. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Peace be with you. Amen. Oh, one last question. Oh, thank you. Wednesday Bible study. Wednesday Bible study was supposed to resume this last week, and I have been so busy with all these other things that I, I just didn't have time to prepare for it, and I didn't want to do it cold turkey. Um, so here's what we're going to do for Wednesday Bible study. Not this week with it being Holy Week. I've got like two, three more sermons and other and, uh, services to work out. The week after Easter, we will pick back up with Wednesday Bible study, okay? Uh, for those of you that haven't joined us now that can do so online, we're in the book of Leviticus. Why don't you read all the way up Leviticus 1 through chapter 11, okay? Um, and then I'll get the rest of the questions in the packet, and I'll get that up on the website as well, okay? My apologies for the delay in getting that Bible class going again, but uh, I'm on the job. We'll make it happen, okay? God bless. Bye-bye.